Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are back. Southside Rabbi is in the building. We have a guest here today. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we even just want to call him a guest because he is like family to us. Yes. Okay. We've all known each other for 10 plus years, yes. going over a decade. And this brother's sitting to my left. Let me tell you something about this guy Please. right here. He is the uh, philosophical, theological, metaphysical, Ooh. ecclesiological. Ooh. Anthropological. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Missiological. <laughs> man of the hour. Yes. And um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just really excited that we have our brother here with us today and um, that he is able to grace the microphone with his presence. Yes. Uh, not only does he have a great singing voice, uh, but he has a great mind uh-huh. as well. Yes. I am talking about my brother. From another mother, same father in heaven. Ooh. We all got to say no illegitimate <laughs> children in the kingdom. That will preach. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm talking about my brother, Ralphie Amador. Yes, indeed. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Thanks for of course, yeah, of course. Yes. Uh, Ralphie is important to us, not merely because of the life that we have done together for uh-huh. a long time. Uh-huh. I think I met Rafi when he was like 13, 14? Maybe like 15 or 16. 15, 16. I, I, ain't come, I ain't come to faith until I was like, see, I was still a heathen at that 13. Boy, KD was, that boy said when he was six? I, mean, I was I still I a heathen think at he was in diapers? <laughs> <laughs> but about when 15, you get my 16, age, yeah. it all just runs together. <laughs> um, but uh, I met him when he was a young man mm-hmm. and have watched, and I have watched God Take him from, uh, you know, this youth group kid, hungry for Jesus, always honest and very, very transparent. Absolutely. Uh, even sometimes in a point, at, to a point where it would be jarring. But anyways, Rafi's grown up. We, we watched him going yeah. through youth group, going to Bible college, leave Bible college, become a missionary yep. to Costa Rica for mm-hmm. two years straight. Uh, then come back to the States. He went to seminary, got his M. Div. Yep. M Divinity. <laughs> Il Dive. I don't know y'all talking. Hey. There's, a, there's a, a certain knowledge that you can have about, somebody uh, about divinity. Bruh. But but there's <laughs> a difference when you are a master of, of divinity. divinity. You know what, you know what I mean? Some of y'all just, y'all just got y'all just a little, little expertise. Little, yes, you got some you know alliances. Some of y'all are skilled. Some proximity. Skill. Listen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Y'all you, picking me up too much. You've been aware <laughs> of divinity. You know what I'm saying? You might have had an encounter <laughs> with divinity, but have you mastered divinity? <laughs> that you is the I don't think you have. You haven't. I know I haven't. Am I allowed to ask the question, what is divinity? <laughs> <laughs> y'all figure what that out. That? You better go to yeah, chat y'all, GP. Yeah, y'all better go to the <laughs> AI bots. Let on. him, let, let them, let, let you know what it is. <laughs> uh, anyways, oh, but uh, this brother has a... A uh, uh, powerful story mm-hmm. um, has done a lot of work thinking through um, justice, particularly uh, for my Boliqua brothers and sisters. He's very—he's uh, Puerto Rican to the socks. Like Absolutely, he's, like like like, like he's like, big pun, like like he's big pun. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm big. I don't want to be a blade. <laughs> um, so stands for issues uh, not not only in black communities but brown communities is fluent in Spanish mm-hmm. uh, because he is Hispanic. 
Um, and he also has a lot to share about sexuality as he has thought through same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. uh, done a lot of ministry in that, uh, in the homosexual community. Mm-hmm. I've learned a lot from this brother uh, mm-hmm. about the ways in which we can be more effective, loving, kind. Uh, I have leaned on him for years. He's leaned on me for years, and uh, we just have a bond of brotherhood that has just transcended every single time in our lives. So mm-hmm. very grateful for Rafi. He is probably the most loved person in our community. I don't... Listen. I know. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not saying it's a competition, but it kind of is. There comes a point in time where you just got to tell the truth. <laughs> the truth. You, 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 this you know, man is the most loved person in our I community. I don't know anyone who has any problems I have repented many times for jealousy <laughs> on many occasions. So anyways, again, welcome to the show, Rafi. Yeah, yeah. Rafi, can you start off by telling us a little bit about your story? Yeah. How I kind of touched it, but what, is, what does it mean to be Rafito. Rafito. Okay. Rafito is what my family calls me. Rafito. Rafito. Man, well, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, Y'all know how much I love y'all and appreciate y'all. I guess, you know, my whole story, I I guess it starts in PR, right? It starts in Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico, raised in Florida, and I'm kind of like half and half because... Um, you know, I grew up in like the major cities of like some of the major cities of Florida. So Orlando, Miami, Tampa, like, and I grew up in kind of low income. We have lived in the projects. Mm. Uh, We've been the only Puerto Rican family in an all black neighborhood. (laughs) Uh uh Uh, We've also been like, you know, in that kind of like barrio Latino kind of like Mm -hmm. uh, setting in Orlando, Miami, Tampa. Um, Everybody salsa dancing all day. Well, actually, Kasimi, salsa, Kasimi, 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 Kasimi. Shout out Miami. to Buena Vista Lakes, BVL. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, but but um, you know, like I I feel like growing up, I have like this mix of like cultures in some ways, and especially in my time in Miami, just because like you know, anytime you went to a party, it was like salsa, merengue, bachata, reggaeton, but then soca, calypso, mm-hmm. um, compa. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and then all the Crespo. like Elvis Crespo. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Um, but then I would spend my summers in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And so like uh so we moved around a lot in Florida, but you know, my my summers were always spent, like I always spent two months out of the year in Bayamon, Puerto Rico. Ah, gotcha. Ah. So that was that's where my See. dad is from, that's where my grandfather's from, that's yeah, where a lot of my family's big from. Big Pun so. said that from San Juan to Bayamon. Party on. Yeah, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> So, yeah, like, that's kind of a little bit of my story. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, um, I mean, yes, very Puerto Rican to the core. And then also, in some ways, because of my time in Costa Rica, yeah. I feel like at times homeless. Mm. Uh. Um, and then, you know, growing up in the States, you kind of feel like, well, you know, especially in my teen years, my Spanish was terrible. So I would go back to Puerto Rico and they'd be like, yo, gringo. And I'm like, dang, I'm not, I'm, I was born here. Sure, but then I'm sure. like in mm. Florida and they're like, yo, you like from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's been a lot of like... Uh-huh. I feel like I've I, I made a discipline of explaining my existence since I was a kid. Wow! <laughs> wow. How did you it. come to know the Lord? Okay, that's a long story. Because can I get into it? Of course, <laughs> Southside Rabbi. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna just you know kind of like sum it up a little bit. So let me go take it back to Puerto Rico. So I was born in Puerto Rico. My family moved here when I was four because my father was murdered, mm. uh, which you know begins kind of like our life you know, my siblings and I, our life as um, 
kids being raised by a single parent mother. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, we came to this country not knowing the language. So, like, my mom didn't know the language. I remember growing up and translating mm. from my mom. Um, I remember learning English. Um, and I mean, I, I knew it within a year or two, but um, but I just remember always having that cultural difference. And yeah. then we always spoke Spanish in the home, English outside of that. Yeah. Um, I think part of part of what brought me to faith was like our family's brokenness because mm. you know not having a dad. But it, it's not only just like I mean, it's not. I wouldn't even just say just like, but it's just different in the sense that like. <clears throat> My father was murdered. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would have been in our lives. Mm. Right, right, right. Um, and so having to deal with, like, the grief and the anger yeah. of, like, that loss. Um, and then growing up in a culture and in a society that doesn't really allow for men to express that kind of grief and, mm. and loss. Yeah. And I think, it, yeah, I, it all kind of, like, bubbled up into, like, my teen years. And granted, like, there was a lot that happened when, when my family moved from Puerto Rico to Florida, you know, so I was exposed to a lot. You know, I was sexually molested. Yeah. You know, there was a lot that yeah, just happened but, in my childhood. Yeah. Um, that kind of, like, created this, like, bomb of, like, mm-hmm. I don't know why I exist. Mm. Right. Mm. Right. Wow. Um, That's heavy, Rafi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I remember being 13, 14, uh, asking a question, you know, and I... I, I had a, li- a little of an experience with God just because, like, my aunt in Puerto Rico, when I would spend my summers there, she would take me to, like, Pentecostal church in PR. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, like, extremely Spanish Pentecostal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, mm. So I had some idea of God and I had some idea of his moral standard, but it's like I, I was, you know, s- steeped in pornography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was struggling with you know, my attraction. So, like, I didn't know if I was gay, straight, yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, you know, and I didn't really have anybody to talk to about right. yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I was 13, 14, I was, you know, like, my high was partying. And mm. it sounds weird to people in our community probably because I'm, <laughs> I, you know, when I first came to faith, I feel like I had become so introverted and it was so different from wow. like what I was yeah. like yeah, yeah. in the world, you oh. know? And especially like, you know, I lived in Miami you know, when I was 13, 14. So we were partying, going to house parties, drinking, even though, you know, 13 and 14 year old, you wouldn't think they would be, I mean, that's a child, but we were street, we were Not in Miami. street kids. Yeah. yeah. Street babies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, I remember just staying out late and stuff and doing whatever I wanted to do. And, it, you know, then waking up on Sunday mornings or like Monday mornings even and just being like, like, why am I living? Mm. You know? Um, and granted, hip hop played a role in that, you know. Like yeah. I, I remember growing up on Tupac, and uh, I was big on conscious hip hop, so mm-hmm. I would listen to Most Death. Yeah. And um, Common was one of my favorite rappers. Yeah. When uh, Lupe Fiasco came out with Food and Liquor, that was yep. like my my, my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know we can also talk about that when we talk a little bit more about sexuality and stuff, because yeah. you know I, I looked up to these like heavy heavy masculine figures but I felt like I couldn't attain to that image because of what I wrestled with internally and how I saw myself internally wow right um but anywho all of that to say when I'm when we moved from Miami to Tampa this was like in 2006 um 
I, you know, I was still trying to live the party lifestyle, but Tampa's mad different from Miami. Right. Um, and so, <laughs> vastly. Like, yeah, vastly. So, I mean. like, I'm like, why people go to sleep like at 11 here? Yeah. <laughs> why are people not down. out? Yeah. Um, and um, I remember, you know, I guess still like wrestling with a lot of these questions, still struggling with a lot of these questions. I was DJing. I was DJing. I was a DJ. Really? <laughs> yeah, so I had my turntables and everything, man. But, I did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I remember when I, you told me that I was shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had my turntables, knew how to do a great mix for a party because that's what I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and... But I, my 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 turntables at my house got broken into. My turntables were stolen. Anyway, all yeah. of that to say, um, when uh, when I was DJing my cousin's party before they, you know, my my turntables were stolen and stuff. Somebody invited me to crossover, mm. and they said you should check out this church. Mm. And I was like, all right, I've never been opposed. My immediate family never set foot in a church, yeah. mm-hmm. but because I had that experience in PR, uh-huh. I was always kind of open to going to church sure, right sure, right sure. um and so you know i went to crossover and i loved the vibe wasn't trying to give my life to the lord because i was like i i mean I, you know like i'm from my i, I want to party like right, right, <laughs> right, right. i sure. still want to like do yes. my own thing right um but you know i i guess like i went to puerto rico that summer that was 2007 so I went from like maybe May to August and spent time there. And I felt like the Lord was already drawing me there because I felt convictions around the stuff that I would be watching, mm-hmm. you know. And I was like, well, nobody else feels this kind of convictions, conviction around their like sexual experiences and stuff. Why do I? Wow. You know, and I wasn't sleeping around or anything like that. But but I still felt conviction over things that other people just didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, I don't know if it was conviction, but I definitely felt guilt. So, um, so long story short, man, I come back from Puerto Rico and my mom tells me that a couple of people from crossover had called the house asking about me. And I was like, that kind of stood out to me because, you know, I I didn't really grow up in a culture of care, Mm -hmm. right? Not even in my own home. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of like sparked a a desire to want to go. So I went. And I remember my mom didn't want to take me because it was like 20 minutes from my house. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't have a car at the time. Um, but my birthday came around. It was like a Thursday night. And it was when Third Rail was happening. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was like, you I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? I did, bro. Oh, you wow. worked <laughs> on the patio for like a few months. Yeah. Uh. yeah. So, and that's where I met uh, Mark, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but my mom took me and she said, you got to get a ride back. And it was my birthday. So she couldn't say no. I was like, yeah, you give me a ride to church and I'll just get a ride back. You know, so I went and um, Pastor, it was Pastor D at the time, Pastor Derek, I remember, um, connected me with Mark and Mark became my ride to and from church. Mm. And, um, and he just, you know, just through talking with him, you know what I mean? Through like the, the messages and honestly through the love that people displayed. I remember getting involved with the uh, worship ministry and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. um Man, they really loved me, yeah, even though, it. like, I was a stranger, Yeah, you know, um, which, you know, spoke volumes to me about the love of God. And then a few months after that, man, I felt like I was sitting out on the patio at Crossover, and I was talking to Mark. I was like, man, like, how is it that God, the God of the universe, would love me yeah. when, like, my family didn't even show this kind of, like, you know, love or care you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it was kind of like, for me, that that kind of the love of God was a radical thing that I couldn't kind of come around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I couldn't get out of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, thinking about who Jesus was, taking on the things that I did wrong. Yes. That whole concept just impacted me. Mm. And uh, I can't get away from it. Right, uh, right. Even now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah true. So, yeah. That's, a, that's the story in a nutshell. I love that. Wow. I love that. Man, it feels yeah. like uh, what you shared is kind of like this image of of how conversion works. That, like like a like watering and planting seeds. So, s- somewhere along along the way, maybe it was at the Pentecostal Church in Puerto Rico, seeds planted. Mm-hmm. The seed is being watered in small ways, mm-hmm. and um, to the point that you, if even if it's not a seed, there's some kind of work that God is doing because you're being bothered by you're tripping over your own. Uh, desire to sin, you know right? What I'm it's right. Like it's just not fitting well. Uh, and then God then matches what He's already doing in your heart with believers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's often like, 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 like our mission work is 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 catching a lob and slamming it in. But God is teeing everything up because he's already, he's, he's already done the work. Yep. You just need to not mess this up by doing the very simple thing, care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I hear that over and over again, man. That it, I love how you put it, culture of care. Right. Yeah. Culture I, of care. I, 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 that it felt like it was an extension of how God feels about me. That's mm-hmm. what drew me in. And then, then now we, 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 get, we get Rafi now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. It, it's beautiful. And I, I just want to also like say, my aunt played such a huge role in that. And yeah. you know, people in I'm gonna be honest, people in reform spaces talk down upon Pentecostals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt loved me well. Oh yeah. You know, and she she talked to me about the gospel. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I had heard it before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. But I'm grateful for the community that was in the States, yeah, that was for sure. at Crossover at the time, that, like, gave, like, nourished right, my, right. My, my soul, like, nourished yeah. me. That's yeah. dope. Into, into faith, so. That's dope. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you start serving at Crossover. I know you were in community. I know you and I even had some stints where I was pouring into you as well. Yeah. You end up going to Bible college. Um, and you do get, uh, baptized into reformed culture to the point and theology to the point that, uh, that's where you went and did your seminary work. I want you to talk about from two angles. First, let's start with the sexuality piece. Yeah. Talk about how you've thought through your own sexuality and how you, you sort of think about it in terms of, of the the larger conversation around sexuality in the culture. Yeah. And then I want you to talk about your Puerto Ricanness in uh so your your brownness. Yeah. Uh in non-Puerto Rican, non-brown uh <laughs> context. Context. Yeah. Uh, that are super not brown. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Mugs is profoundly <gasps> not brown. Uh, they are not brown. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> No, so no, no, yeah, because I all I pick I've always known that about you. I pick up that theme of, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Who, who am I, mm-hmm. and, and and what does that mean for my life and where I'm going, the people around me? Where does all this fit? So talk to me first about sexuality, 
Yeah. And then get, let's, let's, let's walk into ethnicity. Yeah, man. So um, I'm glad that you distinguished like my personal views about myself and my own sexuality yes. and then distinguished it from the greater conversation because, um, it, you know, for me personally, I can't really talk about my sexuality without talking about um, abuse and trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I, you know... Other people make distinctions between that and their sexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't because it's so over, interwoven with my with wow. my experience, sure, right? Sure. Like so, you know, maybe if I even if I hadn't experienced the traumas that I did as yeah. a child, maybe I would still be same sex attracted. But I don't know. You know what sure, I mean? Like we sure. we don't know that answer. Sure. I do know though that it's related. Mm-hmm. It's all related. Mm-hmm. Um, and even That's as fair. I'm get older I'm kind of realizing like shoot I didn't even realize like this was related to like this and you know but right. we're whole people right we are whole people um, and our humanity is made excellently mm-hmm. right so um, in terms of sexuality man like yeah. <laughs> um, you know <clears throat> I, I think I, I noticed a difference in in terms of like how I see myself in terms of my gender when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I think the first time that I got called a queer, I was like seven. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that word because I was seven and I was oh, right. also still learning English. Right. <laughs> right. Sure. But, but, you know, this older kid on a bus called me a queer and I don't know why he did. You know what I mean? Like I had no idea what I did to trigger that response. Right, but, right. Um, but I, I, I noticed that like... Um, that that was a really that was a particular thing, and I I I guess throughout my elementary and middle school years, I realized like I didn't play sports like other people did. Like even though I did like playing sports and I was sure. athletic, yeah, yeah, I didn't really have a knack for it like other people did. And yeah. part of it is is because I we used to move every year, so sure. I couldn't mm-hmm. get involved in local couldn't sports. Put no roots or, down or, nothing, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't. Um, there, there was a lot that I just I couldn't do. Yeah. Um, moving from place to place and I've always had I've always leaned into arts mm-hmm. so music um, you know when I was a kid I, I really liked the idea of being on TV or like yeah. you know being some kind of a personality like I've I, I always been a fan of the arts in right. some ways um, and then but you know of course in a, in a culture especially in, in Puerto Rican and Latin American culture you don't really have a value on things like reading mm. or things like poetry or sure, you know sure. what I mean you're especially not Latin Americans in the states sure mm. um you're not even exposed to Latin American literature right, as a Latino right. in the states sure, you know sure. so um the interests that I took to were very different from those of my peers because of like all the moving and stuff yeah um which kind of created a dissonance in me like I felt like you know <clears throat> that already distinguished me from the rest of the dude, like other boys. Yeah. Um, I also had experiences that I was, you know, kind of like exposed to stuff. And then on top of that, like having a really strong authoritative mom, um, uh-huh. you know what I mean? No dad, uh, my mom and various issues. My mom was a great mom. Like I don't want people to think that my mom yeah, was, sure. was yeah. terrible or nothing yeah. like that. But, you know, like, like every human being, you know, like, there were mistakes made in our childhood. So <clears throat> my mom had these relationships with men and, you know, they would, uh, you know, they would not work out. Right. right. But they would live with us for about a year or two, oh. you know what I mean, in our home. And then they would be out. And some of these men were, you know, were abusive, mm. you know what I mean, toward us as yeah. kids. 
So the image that I got of a man wasn't, you know, was them. And I was like, well, I don't want to be like them. Mm-hmm. So I I don't want to be like any of the men that I know. Do I even want to be a man? Mm-hmm. You know? Heavy. And then <clears throat> I come from a very strong matriarchal family. Mm-hmm. So the strongest people in my family tended to be women. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like <clears throat> I became a feminine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I, that's what I saw as strength. Mm. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really, but it, it was weird. Like I said, I, I, then I, you know, growing up on hip hop and seeing like mm. aspects and qualities in the people that I looked up to, like Common, right. who was a poet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who is a poet. Yeah. Uh, Lupe Fiasco, who paints pictures right. or who, who paints whole stories you know, with words. And, right. Um, you know, and, and looking at those men and wanting to emulate, emulate aspects of them. Sure. Just kind of, again, created a lot of confusion. Man, I, I think I'm, as I'm thinking about what it means for a man to be a man, which is, uh, yeah, one of the most asked and contested and answered questions in culture right now mm-hmm. is, is what, what is a man? Right. Um, what is a woman too? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's act it's asked differently for in terms of what a woman is because it's in context of the trans conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But for men, if you dudes like Andrew Tate, who undeniably, mm-hmm. um, I mean this this dude was the most searched man on Google, right? For a long time, and it wasn't for his financial literacy, literacy no. stuff. It was for his image of manhood, right? Of, of masculinity, that, and, and that's what you—that's what people are drawn to. Yeah, and I listen to those dudes from Fresh and Fit, and I, what I hear is is two men who are going on and on about what a man should be, mm-hmm. um, and most of the time it's filled with. Foolishness and toxicity. Mm-hmm. It, it, it sounds mm-hmm. like wounded people. Yeah. To be honest, it sounds like a bunch of wounded people who are part of the larger conversation that all boys and men are having. Right? Is where do I fit in my masculine call in a culture that, in a lot of ways, is beating down on me? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in every aspect of the world, in, in dating women, in, in achieving in the workplace, education, mm-hmm. there are all these unique struggles that get down to the core of a man's existence and mm-hmm. yeah what is a man and i think that we can at least all agree that what it means for us to be a man as we are growing up is that we know we're supposed to be strong yep i'm, right. I'm supposed to there's there are things even written into me biologically that convey strength right. just yeah. the way our body communicates it yep. yeah men hit puberty yep. muscle begins to develop mm-hmm. uh it, it's it's a different experience yeah. for women and then while that's happening in that those formational years, every man has to then ask himself, okay, I, I have this desire to be strong. What does it mean, it mean to, to be, be strong? strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for me, <clears throat> you know, I love my mom, but her being over-authoritarian uh, and at different mom- moments of my life experiencing physical abuse, yeah. I lost agency as a masculine... <sighs> kid mm. right so what happens to to kids for to boys specifically when they lose agency of their body mm-hmm. and of themselves you know you, you you don't grow up valuing the authority that's god-given right and kids have boundaries sure, right sure. right yes. 
Um, and as a as a boy, you're supposed to learn within a safe environment how to protect mm-hmm. your boundaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't have that opportunity. Sure. Sure. Right? Um, and so I, I think, you know, I, I guess it all kind of like jumbled into like me desiring... You know, and I think that's what kind of sexualized too. It's like I desire this kind of masculine image yeah. because I want to be that. Right. But I feel like I can't be that. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, and it's not until, uh, it's funny enough, it's not until I'm living in Costa Rica that I feel like I've, I can actually express my like my masculinity and boundaries in ways that mm. are are like good and right mm, yeah. in the ways that like God intended for me to be like you know what I mean like yeah, yeah. take ownership sure sure of you know my my even my own agency yeah, right yeah, right sure, right my sure. own body yeah um and so yeah man I I think I began to be attracted to the same sex around 12 years old mm-hmm. but it was weird because I had little girlfriends in elementary school yeah. and middle school and high school and yeah. <laughs> you know like the puppy love happened with girls uh-huh. but then I was like attracted to guys and mm-hmm. yeah. uh and I was attracted to both and mm-hmm. it was it's it was confusing sometimes it's still confusing today and, sure yeah sure. yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. when you became a christian was there at any point in your mind where you thought what it means for me to be a Christian is that God is going to take this away from me eventually. Absolutely. Ah. Absolutely. I mean, and and part of it is like childlike, you know, like yeah, yeah. I want to like refer back to that childlikeness because you're like, okay, like, you know, God, you're sovereign and you're all powerful and I just need to pray. <laughs> right. Pray, pray it away. Um, pray, what do you say? Pray the gay away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just need to pray and I just need to, and I remember spending a lot of time fasting mm-hmm. and praying and asking the Lord. And um, at times being like, okay, maybe I am healed. And then at other times be like, why am I still, mm. like, why am I still dealing with these attractions or mm-hmm. these dreams? Particularly, like, I think what, what haunted me were my, my dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously being a Christian, you know, and coming into faith, A, like, so I've never been sexually intimate with anyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, especially coming to faith at such a young age, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and being mm-hmm. committed to Christ. Like, yeah. you know, I was like, well, until I get married, I'm not going to be sexually yeah. intimate right. with yeah. anybody. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Something that we don't talk about is like, you know, wet dreams. Like those yeah. things actually happen. And, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. you know, what does it mean for believers who are not having sex and are not masturbating, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have wet dreams, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and those haunted me because for me, it's like, dang, like, I don't even want to have these thoughts. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like, the dreams are, are involuntary. Yeah, ex- exactly. They are very They're involuntary. Yeah. And then you can wake up and also feel guilty. Yeah. So, like, and was, would, did I do something <laughs> to trigger these thoughts? Did I think yeah, something yeah. to trigger these thoughts? Yeah. Did I... Yo, right. I would. I, it would throw me that dream? Why did you dream that dream? Yeah. What did I? <laughs> and then it's just like, what You're did dreaming I? Ex- dreams again. <laughs> <laughs> what did I expose myself to today? Right. Exactly. What did you I start, allow to enter? Into- <laughs> yeah, that's what you start thinking yeah. though. It's, it's, that's real. Yeah. So you know, and I, I, um, I mean, they, yeah, like it was, you know, like. I, I hated it. It would throw my whole day off. Yeah, yeah. You know, or mm-hmm. maybe like the, my whole two days off and I would feel super sinful because of course in Christian spaces, we're also not talking about the body. Right. Yeah, you know, sure. it's almost like we're just, 
I don't know, dismembered people yeah, <laughs> walking yeah, around. Just like, so, why do we, just why do we even lot, not yeah. talk about this stuff, man? But, <laughs> but um, you know, like I think I've had to, A, I had to really be honest with myself at a certain point and say, you know what, like these attractions may never go away. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, which means what it means for everybody else. I still got to be faithful to Christ because I made this de- decision to follow Jesus. Right, like right. I, I can't, you know, like a. I've come to know the truth. Yeah. I know that there is not, a, there's not life anywhere else. Come on, sir. you know what I mean. So, um, and in my my story, I didn't grow up in the church. Sure, yeah, you know what I mean. So uh-huh. there was. There was definitely a before and after for me in yeah, Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know what life is like before Ooh. and outside of. Come on, sir. And I'm not looking to go back. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So on top of the fact that we have a really, we have a steadfast hope. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, not to say that that's not difficult. Sure. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because it is. I... You know, I also know that, like, um, I, I know what I've experienced in Christ and what mm-hmm. I continue to experience in Christ. Oh, come on, sir. And that holds me. I think that's not talked about enough. And yeah, obviously, right. ultimately, I think what all of us need, no matter where you land with your sexual expression, if you were in Jesus, you really just wish God would just do away with any kind with, of stuff. Yeah, that's not, yeah, exactly. Just, Lord, wait, wait. That's why it's and, not I mean, just specific to... I mean, for years... You know, I read books mm-hmm. trying to find the silver bullet for a whole myriad of struggles. Right, right. And I've even in my life, especially as a young Christian, I, I circled, uh, I put a circle around the sin that I thought if it was removed, I'd be the perfect Christian. Mm-hmm. I've done that mm-hmm. multiple times. And I'm yeah. just, I'm reading, how do I get rid of this? <laughs> right I just laugh Because yeah. I think it's so funny You know Because I mean If God <laughs> If God intended that for us We would be in heaven right now We'd be doing this We would be doing this for us to be here You know what I mean We would not be doing this And in God's mercy You know like He allows for us To be sanctified mm. Through these things And yeah. it's not even I mean, yes, like we want to we wanna continue to repent when we fall. But the reality is, is that we got to find God there too. Yeah, That's yeah, true. For sure, for you sure. know, we got to yeah. find God there too. So yeah. um, That's powerful. Rough. Yeah. Recently, I've been thinking through our categories yep. and, and thinking about, okay, what is the scripture? Like what are categories that the scriptures actually give us that don't make it into our, you know, kind of like, uh, I'm not going to say our, I'm going to say conservative <laughs> yeah. Christian experience. Uh-huh. Um, uh, because, you know, I hear a lot about this conversation, but you know, something that I've never heard much about and taught well is about eunuchs. Mm. True. And Jesus had a whole, like, he he had a whole statement about eunuchs who are yep. born eunuchs. Right. Yep, yep. Right? Meaning mm-hmm. they their parts are, either their parts or themselves or some, some's something, out there. Something, something yeah. happened. Right. Something happened there or, you Back know. closed. Or right. they were made eunuchs. Right. And yes. Or they were made eunuchs for the for kingdom, kingdom of yeah. God, which means. That's what Jesus if, said. And if that's what that means, I mean, we know what eunuchs mean in, right. in New Testament times. Like, they were castrated. Yeah. So, right. You know, what does it mean for somebody to actually embody 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. their full humanity as a eunuch as as best as, as they can redeem. Yeah. Singleness wow. as a gift. And right. Yeah. Right. And and um, you know, like the eunuchs, they didn't they. Uh, they were somewhere in between masculine and feminine, bro. Like, mm. eunuchs weren't considered masculine in their context. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of people... not sound masculine either. And neither would Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot, and I yeah. think that that's a, another thing, too. You got a 33-year-old man who was running around with 12 of these guys, and he's single at 33. He's not married. Right. And you're running around with this motley crew of individuals. Yeah, yeah. He would, and, and then also you're telling people in the midst of a Roman Empire to... Turn the other cheek yeah. to love your enemies. Right. To you know, uh, the first will be last and the last will be first. Yeah. You know, you're telling folks about serving. You're washing feet. Yeah. All of these things is something that the culture and society, especially Roman culture and society, they would have looked at Jesus and said that is not masculinity sure. at all. Yeah. Not, yeah, for sure. Um, Absolutely. And I feel like we also don't talk about that. We always just talk about Jesus being masculine because of who we know the person of Christ to be, but we never talk about in his context, yeah. especially in a Roman context, they would have looked at him and said, yeah. That yeah. is not masculinity yeah, at this all. This is weird. Yeah. Right. This is very <laughs> this weird. Is, yeah, I mean, really weird. If, if yeah, that uh an adult virgin is weird in Roman, mm -hmm. in the Roman context, and it'd be weird in, in our context. Right. We were considered weird. Yeah, we were. Like, I, Absolutely. I, mean, I, I had, I remember being at JDC one time, and I was, t I was telling these group of dudes that I was not sexually active and hadn't been for a long time. Right. I couldn't move on with the next point. They said, no, 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 go back. Go back to the thing you said. Oh, you mean when I started talking about like uh, the analogy about, no, 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 not that, before that. Oh, so you danced around it too. After that, the thing about you not being, yeah. how? Uh -huh. How is that possible? Yeah. Dude, I try, do like, try going to like get medical services as a 31-year-old. Yeah. You know what I mean? And having to like be honest about mm -hmm. your sexual activity. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people are looking at you like, you lying yeah. yep. or something's wrong with you. you. That's very something, true. That, yeah, very true. I want to give you suggestions. Hey, <laughs> hey uh, so... Uh, Wait, where are you hanging out at? <laughs> so, why don't you walk me through your I week? I'll go to this one place. <laughs> walk me through your week. Walk me through your week. <laughs> the walk, yeah, the walk me but through But I think no, that's, that's true. A, the, the unique point is a good point mm -hmm. because um, I... I think that Jesus uses the the the, the static the status of eunuch in the the uh, in his culture mm -hmm. as a kind of uh, a umbrella concept for yeah. giving yourself to the kingdom at the expense of pursuing your sort of sexual desires. No, I mean, I mean yeah. that's exactly yeah, that's a, what... And I, I mean, literally, eunuchs are literally cutting sexual desires off. Yes. Can I, Quite literally. Yeah, can I yeah. say something too, man? I think that that actually points to a greater human experience. So I think what's also Ooh. not talked about is, is that, like, we have this false notion that sex is the highest form of the human experience. That is taught so you that? good. Yep. Come on, sir. So... If, if was it Jesus that taught us that? <laughs> it was. No, it wasn't and the I'm Bible. like, man, well, like, I mean, Jesus must have had a terrible life then. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. what does it say? What does it say to single people? You know what I mean? And, and you know, I say this not, not so much in the world because that can, you know, like, I'm like, you know, the world, that's obviously, you know, they're going to say like sex is the highest yeah, they're not, human yeah. experience because they don't know Christ, yeah, right? right? But as sure. Christians, when we've believed that and when we've absorbed that culture, yeah. What does that say to single people within our body? Right. 
Right? That Are we saying that they're not able to experience the hi- highest human experience? Wow. Yeah. Come on, sir. That they're missing something. They're missing what it means to be human. So, yeah. like, we really have created... <laughs> We've limited the human experience to sex. We have. We've kind of localized it there in a very real sense. You know, and and we've, yeah, we, we've absorbed it. So, of course, single people, all of them want to get married. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and that's true. And, of course, even singles who are attracted to the same sex want to have same-sex relationships. Because you've implied that sex is the highest form of, human, of the human experience. So, why are you shocked? Yeah, Rafi, I didn't know that you was going to come with this much heat And if you was, I would have bought a fire extinguisher <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's true un- See, but that is so unique Man. Because it is undeniable Right The marriage is idolized Oh, that absolutely like, like, Especially, not, I mean, in Christendom, yeah, for I'm sure I'm not talking about in the culture Like, marriage is like no, dying yeah, right, in the right, No, but, but in like, Christendom in, I remember, bro, I remember, bro Let me just say this real quick, bro when I got saved, uh-huh. when everybody gets saved, you have this real relationship with uh, this real encounter with God that isn't necessarily bogged down with Christian culture, Christian preferences, all right. the other things that are in the package. Right. So you just are like, it's just, it's new heart. I'm in, I'm reading scripture. I'll start appropriating some of the things I knew about God. Yep. Because I, I, I kind of grew up in helpful prosperity. So mm-hmm. I, I pulled some of that stuff in. It wasn't very deep, but yeah. what was what was deep for me was how the gospel rocked me. Yeah, listening to that Christian hip hop CD. Right, and you're and kind of a blank gospel. slate yes, to a degree. Yes. To a degree. Then when you get to when you start saying, well, you know, God, if I mean, I I was I was drinking down about the Bible like seven hours a day, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I I was I walked around okay. with big strong concordance. Ooh. Oh, I was. I remember I was, that strong. Yeah, I had a bunch of tapes I was listening to. I bro. remember that strong concordance. I too. blacked out, bro, for the kingdom. <laughs> And uh, man, but then man, you had, take man, that had white tapes, <laughs> <laughs> cassettes that were white. They just said Bethel Bethel Church, uh, <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Doctor Pastor, uh, Pastor Randall Cobb, or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, his series on giving. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, then you you end up so in your kind of engaging the scripture. Like, man, I need to be a part of a church. I need to be a, uh-huh. I need to be around God's mm-hmm. people. Often, when you get to the church. Uh, and this is part of one of the re- this is one of the many reasons why I love my church, the church that all of us are part of, mm-hmm. is because it's not this way when you get to our church. I don't think it is. Yeah, it probably is to some degree, but in ways that are probably helpful. Like when you uh, when you get uh, on if you if, if you have a long flight and it's in like fifteen hours or something like that, they'll give you like a kit when you walk on. Like here's a toothbrush, some toothpaste. Right. You, you we can use this right here to clean your face. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Here's, here's some, some headphones. Kind of. They're terrible. There's a package. But it's filled with stuff that you need. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of times, and I, I, I'm going to sound arrogant, I, but I am biased in my church. Yes. But a lot of times when you have this relationship with Jesus, you show up at a church, they're like, so glad you're here. Now, let me break some stuff down for you in your package, right? right? I got right. a box for you that has all the things that we're on. So you got this the toothpaste. Yes. <laughs> right. This no, is how we vote. Yeah. Right. Here are the people we like to hang around with. Yep. This is what you want in a woman. This is, this who, is how yep. you date. Uh, this is who you avoid. This is who you avoid. Right. We don't mess with that denomination. They're, they're not even orthodox. Don't so, say these things. Th- these right. words we these, don't say. We these don't shows we don't say, watch. Yep. These holidays <laughs> we don't celebrate. So you get this box, and in that box, most of the time, is that marriage yeah. is the zenith 
of the Christian's existence uh-huh. mm-hmm. to have children, which makes it challenging when you just read First Corinthians chapter seven, where Paul says the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It makes it hard. Yep. And we have yeah. no category for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So it, it gets it, it starts getting really strange when you think about Jesus's actual life. Yep. You know, it's like the same thing yep. where folks are like, "Well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved." And it's like, "Well." Jesus never spoke in tongues. Guys. Right, right. So when you look at Jesus' <laughs> yeah, actual life, that's, <laughs> that's very that true. <laughs> so you look at Jesus' actual life, it's like, well, there's nothing more important than marriage. Jesus it never wasn't. had a wife outside of the bride of Christ, which he is really, really excited about, so much so mm-hmm. that the Bible obviously honors marriage. Right. Hebrews says it's honorable for anybody. To right, marry. exactly. But it doesn't see it as the highest or the most effective way to serve the kingdom of God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Paul makes Paul it very clear. Very, it makes it, yeah. Paul says it emphatically. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and come yeah. talk to me. Right. I would actually prefer. Well, I prefer some of y'all didn't get married. Right. And, and yes. here's the thing about that. The way that it works out practically is it's like even the singles that we have in our church context are not commissioned and sent or they're not commissioned mm. for local work. Like yeah. we don't even really equip them. For well, what they could be contributing, yeah, we we're anyways. not we're not we're not yeah. allowing, yeah, we're not even allowing them to engage in full ministerial capacity because oftentimes too singles are seen as deficient, incomplete, incomplete. Yep. they're seen as immature. Yep, yeah. you know, like I I feel like you know I don't feel that way now, but I felt like for a long time I felt like um what you call it I I kind of felt like I had a perpetual youth. Ooh, Even though I'm like later, really I was good, later though. in my 20s, turned 30, and people, you know, people were still treating me like somehow like I was a college student. I'm like, wait, like, yeah. y'all, I have like. Well, Crow Man. Yeah, oh, yes. like, I, I'm gonna need y'all to put some spec on my name. Like, right. listen, I got, I got some years under my belt. Yeah, you right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, I'm young, but you know, like, also, I got some experience as well. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Sure. So, um, so I think that's something to be engaged, right? But yeah, yeah. that's powerful. Yeah, I think when you add that you are single, um, and you're young, but you're not like so young that it's okay that that you're not married. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And then you're same sex attracted, and then you're Puerto Rican. And you're Puerto Rican. <laughs> you're brown and in a profound is there any, brown is there space. any time that intersectionality is real. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is this the would be intersections it. of identities. Yeah, this would <gasps> the, the intersections of identities is real, man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, our, our local critical race theorist. <laughs> Anyways, no, it's uh, now to a meeting for critical race theory. Uh, critical race theory. Critical, Thank you, KB. Theory. So Thank today you. we're going to break down. Kimberly, Kimberly Crenshaw has said, no, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, th- that is. How did that? How does that also make it strange? Because you and I have had, even recently, you know, mm-hmm. we had we talked for hours. Uh, you poured your heart, your heart out, mm-hmm. and one of the things that you said that I've taken with me is you said, "KB, it feels like when I'm, when I am essentially showing up to serve in some some uh, capacity in some places, that I have to justify my existence. I have to explain." how I exist. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it's, I want to hear your thoughts on that because I think I can relate to that. 
Mm-hmm. I have felt that oftentimes being in spaces that are unfamiliar with someone like me that mm-hmm. talks like me, thinks mm-hmm. like me, and looks like me. I talk about in my book, Dangerous Jesus, that comes out March 7th. Go get that. Um, go get that. Pre-order right now go if you have Go cop that. <laughs> but uh, I talk about how we used to go out and share the gospel. Rafi, you were with us sometimes. Mm-hmm. We would go out and share the gospel, and we would run into another group of Christians that were sharing the gospel, and we would walk up to them. And uh, this happened to me and you at the mall the other day, This too. literally just happened to us yeah. two, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we'll, we'll walk up to them. We're, we got Bible tracts. They got Bible tracts. And then they're like, hey, have you heard of Jesus? And we're like, yeah, we've heard of Jesus. This is great. We're actually out we here. We're out here doing yeah. what you're doing. They yeah. were like, well, well, for real, for real. You need to know him or you're going to go to hell. Are they and trying like, to well, break no, no. down the gospel to you guys, though y'all been living in yes. for like, oh, Lord. Then we, start, then we start going into pride, like, hold up. I'm in Bible college right now. I just wrote a paper on the gospel this morning. You know what I'm saying? I, I've been in the church. trying to justify, yeah, right? You got to yeah. justify like, your faith. Yeah, you got to justify your existence. And, and exactly. Because it's just not, like, clear to you. Yeah. I don't know. That, I, that, that we are here. What do you <laughs> want you me to do? you understand what you're saying, you sir. Say, a- Christians don't look like you. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you got dreads, bro. Yeah, you can't, sir, you, you have dreads in a hoodie on, You think sir. God put you in heaven looking like that? <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Dreads swinging, walking through the pearly gates, hitting Michael the Archangel in the face. It smelled like tea tree oil and cocoa butter. You think God gonna go with that? <laughs> what kind of God do you think we serve? <laughs> what you want? <laughs> you gonna bring God some fried chicken? What are you talking? Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. No, just... uh, <laughs> you think that when you get to heaven, the feast is gonna have fried chicken, watermelon, and grape juice? It's just sitting there for you. Yes. And strawberry. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly what, what I think. Soda? <laughs> you think that heaven's a, a Juneteenth celebration? <laughs> <laughs> you can't get us on these podcasts because we were going to rabbit trail after rabbit trail. He said, Do you think no. that heaven is a Juneteenth celebration? Juneteenth celebration. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would love to see it. <laughs> right? Shoot. Oh. So talk to us a little bit about uh. that reality of like, here I am. I. There's so much like that, <laughs> that people have to accept that much of who we are, we didn't ask for. In fact, we've asked for the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, much, uh, Many of the, the things that would not conform to God's perfect vision for humanity often uh, uh, sort of emerge in our lives involuntarily. Yeah. There is, we understand that everything's that way. Yeah. But some things are that way, and here I am as a, a as a as a broken uh, individual like us all, who is deeply loved by God and deeply loves God and His people. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. So, talk to me about how how that is often a you know that's that's an issue for some people. Yeah, I think, well, I got to kind of like, first of all, let me caveat and say, I want to be married at some point and I yes. want to have kids. Mm-hmm. Hey, we taking applications. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. SouthsideRabbiPodcast.com <laughs> slash <laughs> single applications. We are taking them. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like, I, let me say this, you know, part of the wrestling has been that ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a dad. Yeah, yeah Because sure. I didn't have one. Sure. Ah, sure. yes. Right? And I've always wanted to see what it, what it looked like to for, for there to be a healthy home, a yeah. father and a mother, a yeah. wife and a husband with their kids, and and I want to see that in yeah. my in in the land of the living, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? Um, so I'll just caveat it and say that, and then I, I got to rewind and and say, well, I was raised in the states, right? Yeah. 
and I grew up in black and brown communities. So for me, uh, you know, kind of American culture wasn't really American culture as much as like black culture was the second culture for me. Sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because um, I didn't grow up in the suburbs. I didn't grow up around white people. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, um, and it's, you know, you know, there are people... I, I, let me say this too. Like, I love... I have brothers and sisters that I love, deeply love that are white. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Amen. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about... It's not about like creating like division, or whatever. I'm Absolutely. just like you know, it's nothing yeah, like that. Right. But it's just to say, like it's you know, precise, you're just being precise. Yeah, right. I'm being precise. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, if I'm honest, you know, to me, going to the projects feels more comfortable to me than going to white suburbia. Yeah, right, yeah, right, for right. Sure, for sure. Um, Precision is not prejudice. Ooh, go ahead. There we go. Yeah. Nice alliteration there. So, um, so you know, growing up in marginal cultures in the states, right? Because I got my Latino culture at home. Yeah. I have a black culture in general, black and brown culture too, because mm-hmm. it's like Orlando, Tampa, Miami. Like, you know, it's it's very mixed. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I went to Costa Rica for two years as a missionary after coming to faith and after Bible college. And I really hadn't been exposed to being a majority. Mm. Wow. You know, so I go as a missionary from the States and usually black and brown missionaries are not sent. Mm. Right. So I, 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 but I'm sent by a black and brown church mm-hmm. to Costa Rica as a brown missionary to a place that is brown majority. Mm. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, as someone who live in faith Bible fellowship. Yes. Yeah. LFBF.com. So I'm sent out, you know, as a brown missionary and I experienced for the first time, you know, living because I, I mean, I spent my summers in Puerto Rico, but as an adult and, and just in general, living for two years in a place where my culture is the majority. Sure. Like, even though I'm not Costa Rican, mm-hmm. Spanish is spoken. Mm-hmm. It's international en- enough for there to be Latinos of all kinds mm-hmm. in Jaco, Costa Rica. Yes. Um, and it's predominant. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had never really read, you know, Latino uh, are, are writers and poets and um, history and philosophy and mm. um, even though I, I you know I, yeah like I had read a lot of um, African American and, and of course you have to read white authors because you just have to otherwise you don't get educated in this country yeah true you ain't gonna graduate you yeah. ain't gonna graduate if you don't read yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true <laughs> but <laughs> you might get educated but you ain't getting like, a diploma you, you, you get, you get every, and, and you know <laughs> I, I guess that's a struggle too you know like as a Puerto Rican as a Latino like you know I learned I learn everybody else's history but my but own but yours yeah oh, you man. know so you kind of grow up with a sense of lostness I'm neither here nor there I'm mm. not you know and even you know physically I'm I'm not white I'm not black i'm somewhere in between yeah not mixed mm. yeah. um and you grow up you know especially tampa back in the day wasn't what it is today yeah, right yeah, you sure. know what i mean um and so you know being exposed to being in a culture where like my language is norm yes you know what i mean yeah. like um and the way that i relate to people is actually really natural to everybody there. Sure, sure. yeah <laughs> absolutely because Everybody's late. Everybody uh, likes to talk. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like kissing each other on the cheek too. <laughs> we be nobody we do. told me that Puerto Ricans did that. Uh-huh. So I moved to. I went to church. Eighteen years old, and this Puerto Rican girl walked up to me and and motioned for the the smooch on the kiss, <laughs> and I didn't know that it was cheek on cheek. I gave her a straight kiss on on, on the on the cheek, bro. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell hey, dude, 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 Do that, do that, do that sound again 
Dog, she pulled back like, yo, my man. I'm like, y'all putting your faces on each other. I couldn't see. So, so you got to like put your face on each other and then make the kissing wild. noise. Yeah, yes, you got to go. Away. Well, here's the other yeah. thing too, man, like, which too. is really dope about the Costa Rican, living in Costa Rica and being around other Latinos is, is that, I mean, even, you know, I, I had a lot of friends that were from Argentina. And they do the, you know, men actually greet each other with kisses. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not yeah. just one. Like, it's the double kiss, you know, yeah, like yeah, in yeah. Europe. Yeah. We don't do that in Puerto Rico as much. We do it with family members, but not with, like, friends. and yeah, yeah, Right. Kids, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, getting getting to experience that as normative and, and just those ways of relating as normative. And then coming back to the States 2016 during election year. Um, what a year to come back <laughs> from Haco, Costa Rica. Yeah, where, you know... Um, Wait, you I, said you came back in twenty? Yeah, I, I came back in twenty sixteen. Oh, twenty sixteen. Got you. Got for you. oh, and that's that's why I said, what a year to that come was back. When the world changed. That, that's when, absolutely. That's definitely when the world. That was changed. the watershed moment. Yeah. So I come back and I'm already culture shocked because, you know, Costa Rica felt home. It felt more natural to me than living in the states. Yeah. You know, um, even though I grew up in the states. And then I'm here for a year and I'm all culture shocked and trying to just make ends meet because that's right. what you do in America. And, <laughs> yes, <true>. right, you <laughs> don't really live. It. You just try to make yeah, ends right. meet the make. whole time. I don't know why we do this. Yes. <laughs> but, and then there's Christmas. You do get Christmas. You do get Christmas. And tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> and tax returns, right? Um, and then, you know, after a year... And I don't know what I was thinking. So let me explain the process, too, of me landing at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yeah. Right. So I, my first choice of school was actually Regent College in Vancouver. Okay. Okay. Canada. That's really where I wanted to go because they have a lot on, um, they have a lot of emphasis on world Christianity. Sure. And I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's hella expensive. Sure, sure, sure. And I was a broke missionary right yes. <laughs> yeah um who comes from a low income background right. and you know we we what i'm realizing is, is that i've been stifled in many ways by a lack of creative imagination mm. because of my background mm. because we didn't have the resources to be able to think creatively sure. yep. imagine sure. and mm-hmm. envision a life outside of what we had so you know like i'm and i'm really grateful you know like i was offered a scholarship you know, yeah. and and I didn't have to pay for school, yeah. right? In order to go to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, that's how I got there, and I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Would I have chosen to go? Had I the means? No, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because I already knew that. Even I, I knew some. I knew enough to know that it was conservative enough for me to feel uncomfortable there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So already going there, I already knew that I was going to be uncomfortable. But I was like, you know what, Lord? Like, you opened the door through this institution. Um, Jarvis Williams had done a couple of seminars at our church. Yes, he did. Yes, we love Jarvis. um, He did like a... I think he had done a, like a teaching on like, you know, reading the scriptures from a marginal context or something Mm -hmm. like that. Like interpretation from a marginal context and loved it. Um, And so I was like, you know what? Like, let me just do it. Yeah. Um, that kind of led into, uh, a kind of like four and a half year struggle of whether or not I should be there or not. (sighs) And so, um, yeah, 
I don't even know where to begin with that because I was already culture shocked and I was in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. Right. And then taking my behind to Louisville, Kentucky and uh, and being at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, it was such a conservative, you know, predominantly white. And I, I didn't have that experience. Mm. So like right. I hadn't, you know, yeah, Trinity was predominantly white. Trinity College of Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I went with all of y'all. Yeah, yeah. You right. know what I mean? We had our own little thing right yeah. outside. Yeah, it was yeah. like a, yeah. yeah. It was like yeah. a culture outside of Trinity. Yeah. It yes. was like cats weren't even really into culture at Trinity for real. Yeah, and then also too, like, I was mad introverted when I was in college. So like, I would like get lost for a whole semester and then I would pop up at the end and people would be like, where have you been? And I'm like, I, in, the, in the back of the library. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what if y'all, <laughs> I don't know what else everybody else has been doing, but... <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, going to, to seminary was different, you know? So I found a culture that was a lot colder, yeah, which was brutal mm. from my Latin American soul. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, dudes ain't even want to smile at you in the hallway. Like, yo, say hi, I exist. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's always a culture shock. That's always a cultural cha- cultural challenge for me. Um, because that I, I, I didn't realize that how important that was until I started rubbing shoulders with folks outside of uh, of my culture that being spoken to and, and acknowledged oh, yeah. is a... Ma- like, you, you don't walk in a room or somebody's house or something like that and you don't acknowledge them, you don't speak to them. It makes yeah. me feel very weird. Yeah, when they say that they didn't even speak, that's that's like... Disrespectful. That, yeah, it, it, is, it is disrespectful for yeah. us. Yes. Yeah. Um, even though I learned that some folks didn't mean anything about it, just didn't know that that was an important thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But quite. Yeah, and it was a culture shock. Yeah. I think also just thinking about how... So I just heard a couple of statements, I think, right at the beginning that made me feel like... One of the things that I heard, actually, was that many churches weren't willing to hire single pastors. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... I mean, I wasn't aspiring to be a pastor at a <laughs> predominantly white church anyway. Right, <laughs> but, sure, but, sure. And, uh, and a Southern Baptist one at that. Like, sure. it was just wasn't... <laughs> it right. wasn't that wouldn't, that wouldn't, that wouldn't no, no that's not what I was doing right it's not what I was there was a lot there's a lot of people that want that you know right, what I mean right. but I'm just not one of those people yeah but it still said something about my humanity like it still implied something about my humanity in my current state that um you know because there's a reason behind why churches aren't willing yeah and there's a belief about people like me that are single yes absolutely right yep um and those are the implicit things that you pick up on yeah. that are not necessarily directly taught, but are implicit in the culture. They are implicit right. in the culture. That's so yeah. true. Right. Um, well so I think <clears throat> there was there was that. I think there were also certain things about in conversations that were happening at the time about social justice and obviously being Latin American and that being such a natural thing, not just for our community and our church, yeah. but for the Latin American church at broad. Like you don't have conversations about social justice; you do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Like if right. people have needs in the, in the locker room. We're yeah, the right, right. If you, people have needs. You do what you have to do so that people can thrive That's like right. you know what i mean and so that they can love god and right. live not with not having to be anxious yeah sure, being sure, at right? risk yeah being at risk you just do it you know what i mean um and and you provide but being in a space where even these ideas were being discussed 
um, and y'all know y'all know me like okay like I first you know I grew up in black and brown communities. Mm-hmm. One one of the first books. Well, let me take it back to high school, bro. Like whenever I got a choice to choose whatever books I wanted to read, I was reading Nikki Giovanni. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, I, I was reading. You, was you know, going black, MLK. Black. Yes, mm-hmm. um, blue black. Going black. I remember black. when I was in AP. Black, he was going I'm black, black, y'all. Bubble, 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 listen, listen, blue black. Listen, yeah, something gotta be black some, black some, black. something. Something gotta be akin to what my story and that's narrative true. was. Right, 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 though. right. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah, what yeah. I was looking for. And since for Tupac sure. referenced Nikki Giovanni, I was like, "Who that? Right, right, right. I want to know about Nikki Giovanni now, right? You know, and big fan of Langston Hughes. You know." Like, for sure. I, I, you know, none of my language arts classes ever went through Never. the Harlem Renaissance. Never. But, I'm yes. so angry at all of y'all. Yeah. But they yes. touched on that mug in my school. Yeah. There they, was a Harlem Renaissance. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how, that, that's how I was like, what? That's how our new school system going to be with civil rights stuff. Our Under Ron DeSantis. Hold on. Uh, there was Harlem Renaissance. It was woke. Move on. <laughs> now. <laughs> Um, Robert E. Lee. <laughs> okay, no, go ahead. I'm but, sorry. you know, like in in really thinking about, um, I don't know, in, in thinking about all of the things that I had read, experienced uh, my influences, yeah, and yeah. then being in a place that was so conservative, and um, I felt like I was doing double the work of my counterparts, mm. you know? So while they got to read authors that all had their experience. I was out here having the research and, you know what I mean, on top of all the work that I was yeah. uh, expected. Yeah. You know? even Maybe even reinterpreted sometimes. I don't know, one oh, yeah. time we got this curriculum in for something we were going through that we we're going to implement in our small group. And as we were reading through the, the, uh, the kind of um, the curriculum, they mm-hmm. were using these analogies that were so far outside of our Context, Our yeah. context that we had to literally Google what certain things meant. Yeah. Like, well, well we don't, we, that's just not, it wasn't in our experience to be doing this on the weekend or, so the things that they would, would hope would yeah. be picked up to make their point were missed on us. We ended up getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so I'm I spending mean, more time reinterpreting it. Yeah. You got to do cultural just, interpretation. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, being, you can't teach this, just, Dan exegeting the text. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just remember experiencing so much frustration, even with the graders, that they had grading my work because the graders themselves, who were doctoral students, didn't understand my work because I was coming from a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I forced myself to come from an international or a Latin American or an other perspective because that's the context I'm going back to. Right, straight up. Right? Amen. Yes. Um, and... That's, yeah. that's what I'm That's what I'm about to That's the people That I'm about to be engaging yeah, yeah, And that, also too I'm indigenous yeah, Like you know what I mean I'm indigenous yeah. from a place that, right? that, yes, yes. that also makes me think about Sorry not to cut it off But like It makes me think about What does it mean To train people At an institution That's diverse Not saying the institution Is diverse But I'm saying If you're like Hey The, re- the reason that I'm writing this In this context is, is because This is who I'm going back to Sure Right so what does it mean to train someone in an institution that way when you cannot really resonate with their perspective, but they're here to get trained to go be- to go to this to, particular people yeah, group? Yeah, 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 absolutely. How can you train them effectively if we're trying to make everyone conform to one particular cultural norm? Well, you don't. So that's the thing is that if you're bilingual... <laughs> you're expected to contribute to a diverse space in other places other than your own. 
right? That's, That's what ends up happening. We can use you to help with our... Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For everyone on camera, Brother KB just had to step out, but we're back to it. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. what is, oh yeah, I was saying, yeah, like, yeah, we, we were talking about what does it mean to train folks in that environment, but you were also talking about how the doctoral students were grading your paper and they didn't recognize it. I mean, they right. didn't, they, they couldn't, they weren't grade, grading it effectively right. because they did not understand the perspective that I had. Right. 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 And so, and, and that's the thing is that I, I, you know, which was the last thing I think I said, uh-huh. that type of an institution isn't really training people to go back to where they're from. They're just, yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you're bilingual or if you can contribute to these, you know, predominantly white spaces, right. then that's what we want you to do. Right. For right, diversity's right. sake. Yeah. Right. Um, and so what I was getting ready to say was I lost, I think in that at that point, and you know, that coupled in with some experiences that I had at the church where I was, mm-hmm. I lost agency, mm-hmm. right? Um, I lost agency, which you know, yeah, created like a lot of chaos, right? For me, right? 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 What, what was that chaos like? Okay, in what ways do you feel like? you were able to preserve through it. I mean, at least best you can. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, this. I think we're going to get into the lament part now, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. This, right. Because this is, I think, where we're going to have to... Right, yeah. We like, might have to yeah. pivot because yeah. the reality is, like, I, I think, you know, living through the chaos of, like, culture, some stuff happened too. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean... SBTS being a conservative, very conservative institution and me kind of like wading through what I actually believed about sexuality and Mm -hmm. taking ownership of what I believed, even though I've always stood in with like a historical biblical view of sexuality and marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, but what I felt about certain hot topics Mm. didn't always align with the institution. Um, All of that created a deep chaos, man. And I think at times you know, kind of like this need to justify my existence ended it ended up becoming more of like a why became a question of why do I exist mm. again? Wow. So it's like a reification of what happened to you when you were younger. When I was younger. Which is which speaks to a which can speak to a kind of trauma. Absolutely. So it's like being re traumatized. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. So you know, in losing a sense of my agency uh, feeling like I lost a sense of my agency um, and kind of like walking through that turmoil. You know, there were many, I mean, I cried myself to sleep a lot. Man. You know. Yeah. Um, and not to say that I didn't have friends because I had friends um, and I had people that I love. You know, I still have people that I love in Kentucky and Louisville that I could have talked to and stuff like that. But, and I did speak to, but <clears throat> still feeling in a, a sense of homelessness and homesickness and then dealing with the chaos of not belonging and not feeling like I fit in, mm-hmm. um, you know, even when I tried to like explain that feeling dismissed yeah, at times, yeah. um, led to, yeah, led to a lot of, um, I think anxiety. Uh-huh. So I really struggled with anxiety and I, I was, I think I was struggling with a lot of depression, quite, quite right. frankly. I'm not diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. I right. had a counselor but mentor sure. yeah, yeah, that yeah. actually asked me if if I should be 
if I should have been diagnosed. Wow. During that time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man, it makes me think about, <clears throat> it makes me think about the importance of making sure that not only just institutions that we have, but just our culture of our communities in general, the the importance for them not to be just so homogenous yeah. that we are pushing people away and in ways damaging, re-traumatizing, and causing them to have to fight for their own existence in this space because we are so blinded by our own experience mm -hmm. that we have we don't we don't make any room for anyone else and it makes me th this is <laughs> i guess i could just say this this is my frustration with some of the conversations that we have with the broader culture within christianity about justice mm -hmm. and diversity is that to do that takes intentionality yeah and if we are not intentional we will resort to the default yeah. which is our own homogeneity right yes. like i think about um I talk about like uh, I've talked about before, like in the book of Acts, where we have where we see the Hellenists that are being overlooked in the distribution. Oh, yeah. I always say like I don't know if they were being overlooked in the distribution on purpose. More than you had, you had Hebrews that were like, I don't see that the Hellenists yep. are not being served because people that are my people are being served and all I see is my people. Yes. You feel what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So if my people aren't, if my people aren't crying out that they're being overlooked, no one is Nobody, being overlooked. And, and, and the reality is too is, is that if they don't, if, if the, the um, Hellenists mm -hmm. uh, didn't cry out, mm -hmm. there would be no action toward them. None. There would be no action toward them. Um, but here's the thing is, is that like in the body of Christ, I, you know, like we shouldn't be fighting for our existence or for our views. Exactly. Right. So I don't have a reason to defend my views. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I really don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ultimately. Right. Um, we all have different experiences. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Yep. Number two, um, you know, in thinking about what the Spirit was doing in Acts, when you look at Acts, one, one of my favorite parts of Scripture is like Acts, I think it's uh, two when the tongues uh, mm -hmm. are poured out. Yep. Um, it's one of my favorite parts of Scriptures because in one particular moment, you have the gospel announced mm -hmm. in so many different languages in one moment. In one moment. In one moment, yep. which speaks to what the Spirit of God was doing and what the Spirit of God is continuing to do exactly. as He brings people together into one body from right. so many different experiences and places. Right. Right. Amen. And if our, I'm sorry, but if if our if your community doesn't look that way, I don't know what the Spirit of God is doing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? In a place, you know, and I can speak to even the cultural experience of living in Louisville, right, mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. the Southern Baptist seminary has been there for how long right you know the fact that the institution barely has relationships with black churches on the west side of louisville is an issue yeah right that yeah. needs to be called out because right. you know if the spirit of god is at work in bringing people into one body why doesn't it look that way right among people who profess the name of christ yes absolutely right? especially if you're in proximity 
it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. And that was one of the things that were really um, eye-opening and shocking. And, and you know, the tension didn't didn't ever leave me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While I was there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I could see that. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like, or do you feel like since that time that you've regained some of that agency? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. 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 So... It's been a process, man, and it's been a journey, man. I remember, man, when I first moved back last year, first of all, like, I didn't really feel, like, proud that I graduated mm. from, with an MDiv. Yeah. I I can see that. So I didn't really, I a, you know, I celebrated with a few people, maybe, like, four or five people in Louisville. Right. That was it. Right, like, right. I didn't really, dude, I was, I felt so torn down that I didn't really, like, by the end of my time there, I had... It's like, what do you have left to... Yeah, and then even when I came back, you know, I I really... Even when people would mention that I graduated from Southern, yeah. I would be like, man, I wish they hadn't said anything. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, you know, in many ways at that time, and especially in coming back the first few months, I felt like I had lost more than what I gained. Mm. You know? Yep. Um, and it's taken, I guess, like the love of like the church, yeah, yeah, you know, and the love of my community to really like help me to regain my sense of self and my mm-hmm. sense of agency, like you know. And and I I know that maybe people would say, well, you don't need agency. God is sovereign, or whatever whatever you can say about people. But really, like you know, whenever we think about how God made us, right. Um, he gives us mm-hmm. <laughs> an, an ability to make choices. Right. And he gives us an ability to make decisions about the direction of our lives. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's taken me a while to be confident in what God has has done and is doing in my life. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, and, and to understand that there's a greater people of God outside of just this one sliver mm-hmm. of people that, you know... That may or may not even be representing truly who God is. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk more about the people outside of that that I think that you're going to be yeah. serving very soon. Yeah. On a part two. <laughs> We're gonna do that on a part two because I'm 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 actually really excited to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um and I really, I'm just excited about what God is doing through you and with you and where, what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk more about that for part two, yes. if you're down. Because, you know, we, we, we definitely, I want to get already know. We got to do a whole episode on that. Um, yes, let's do it. <laughs> um, but yeah. first of all, thank you, Ralphie, for coming and yeah. sharing so much. Um, what would you want to, just in part one, because this is going to be several part of what would you want to leave to folks that have that you feel like feel the way that you have felt that I, I'm not seeing, I I've lost this agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, and I feel like I'm having to fight for my very existence or at least explain, mm-hmm. give argument for my existence. What would you say to someone like that? Um, I mean, 
I don't know that I have any advice because mm-hmm. I feel like, man, God has been gracious with me personally. Amen. Like, I'm grateful for my community here in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what I would say is, you know, God values all of who you are. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, in anything, in anyone, any institution that speaks against that truth, um, yeah, has essentially sinned against you. Mm. Right? Because it's, it's, I think it's Augustine that says, St. Augustine who says, like, the glory of God can't be perpetuated where his image is denigrated. Yes. Very true. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, these very core parts of us, culture, ethnicity, even sexuality, oh. and, um, our experience. Right. It's mostly our experience and our personhood. Right. Those, that's a part of us that God... In God's hand, like he's seeking to redeem and to, and it's part of his overarching story. Yeah. Right. So I just want to encourage, I I would say, I just leave that encouragement and say, man, if, if you need to make decisions to be healthier in Christ, right? Like don't leave the faith. Right. 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 But, um, but go to healthy Christian spaces. Yeah. 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 I love that. Go back to people and and touch base with people that have been safe Mm -hmm. people in Christ for you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I love that. Man, thank you, Ralphie, man, for coming on and sharing the story. I can't wait to do part two. Yeah, And uh, I love you, man. (laughs) And thank you. Thank you for just always coming and always being transparent, man, and blessing us with just talking about your experience and what God has done through it. And I can't wait for us to hear more. Yeah, buddy. Yes, sir. Hey, hey this has been Southside Rabbi. It's my boy Rafa. What Make up? sure to put some respect on his name. We'll see y'all for the next one. Let me tell the story. <laughs> One time, uh, Rafi uh, pulled me aside. You must have been 16 at this time. You were very, very young. Yeah. Rafi pulled me aside and said, hey, KB, I, I just want to talk to you about something. I said, what's up, bro? He said, man, I I really have thought you've been prideful. Just very, very <laughs> prideful. I said, Rafi, what, what did I do to show that I was prideful? And, and he was like... Can't put my finger on it, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to say I'm but it's, sorry. But it's there. It was probably very emotional too. <laughs> <laughs> no, his heart. Your your heart was in. He was like, I'm sorry. I had this thought about you, and I don't think it's true. But I just want to confess that to you, brother. Uh, and then we hugged, and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. <laughs>